talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Hey there, everybody. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Welcome to Happy Fight Club. Tuesday. Tuesday. Hello. We've been dark for a little bit. It's been quiet. Yeah. We've been traveling the world. We've been stuck in Las Vegas. Jason put it there tomorrow, I think. And I was like, oh, it's too soon, Jason. We don't need to talk about Vegas yet. It's too <laughs> soon. We just spent too way too long, too fresh. <laughs> I've heard that I should not bring up Vegas on this uh, this podcast. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I go to Vegas for like a weekend, but like a whole week. I mean, hey, I talk to you guys because I wasn't there, but that's, that's too much time. <laughs> I'm still showering, still showering to recover. Okay. I feel like the cigarette smoke from the casinos may be like permanently imprinted in y'all's clothing. Oh, <laughs> I feel like the casino hairspray. You know how they things all smell like hairspray or aerosol? I still yes. <laughs> Good time. Good time. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> well, we're back and welcome back to everyone. Um, spent a little bit of a break, but we're here and excited to be back with you this Tuesday morning. Uh, we are the show for home service business owners looking to improve marketing, finances, systems, and culture. And we get to be joined this week by our guest, Jason Hope. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. So can you just give our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your background in business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as Tay said, my name is Jason Hoke. I run a landscape maintenance company based in Denver, Colorado. Um, I guess kind of looking back, I actually started at my company as an employee at the age of 15. Um, so I'm on my, and let's see here, I've been here, uh, it's hard to do the math now, I guess 17 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been here a while. So uh, no, I guess even longer than that. Wow, that's scary. Um, anyways, so I started at the age of 15 as a technician. Um, company was much smaller than it was just basically myself and the previous owner. Um, so I had a lot of opportunity to kind of learn the ins and the outs of the industry. I knew nothing about anything coming in. Um, and yeah, I felt very fortunate to just kind of be able to dabble and, and learn through experience and work my way up. And then seven years ago, I purchased the company from the previous owner and have really just been focused on, on growth systems, kind of all the things we're going to chat about today um since that time and yeah uh last year uh partnered up with a couple other landscapers in the space to start a software business uh initially it was just to solve a solve a problem in our own business and um yeah we're we're in the process of launching that now we're in beta currently so that's uh, kind of my story Awesome. I'm excited. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a fun show. There's good energy here today. So I'm super excited to have you, Jason. Um, Thank you. My name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. Um, my background comes from marketing. I was actually, we were late this morning because of me because I was finalizing some slides for our community. Um, and that's really where my passion kind of lies is helping business owners and 
you know, admins take a look at the marketing side of things from a different perspective. So it's not this like crazy jargon getting thrown at you. Um, you can actually kind of decipher it, understand it, then make better decisions based upon that. So super excited to be back with all of my favorite ladies today and you, Jason. Mm -hmm. And welcome back to my club, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I met Jason, I think, on a beach somewhere, probably, <laughs> or in a van, or probably in Mexico. I, but we are in Breakthrough Academy together. And um, I just initially, you know, such good vibes, good human, and then really cool business, super efficient. And then this classic story of, hey, I have this need in my company, talking to other companies and it isn't hey i have this thing too and then they've gone out and built the thing and now i've been every time i see him i'm like i have a new plan like new industry let's <laughs> take it here um i have so many cool use cases for him in this new software and I'm, I'm just really proud to know you and to have you back on the show um and it's good to be back after a couple weeks off yeah hey there jason i'm michelle myers and we put um, admins, CSRs, and office managers in your business remotely through my main company, Pink Collars. And then my husband and I are also in the floor coatings business with Brandon Vaughn of Wise uh, Franchise Location on the East Coast. I am thrilled to have you here. I want to talk about rock bands. I'm just going to drop it as a hint. Um, and I'm thrilled to be back, ladies. And it's been a lot of fun. We are all still recovering from Vegas. Um, welcome to Fight Club, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And um, my name is Martha Woodward. I owned a maid service for 13 years, knew nothing about the maid service other than I like my house clean, um, ran it as an absentee owner, sort of, because I lived in a neighboring state. So I had to figure out how to do that and keep a good reputation, etc. So that's how come I'm all about culture and investing in people because I needed my people to run it. And anyway, I'm excited to meet you today, Jason. Sounds like we have quite a few things in common. So this will be a fun show. And I'll let Tay take it and start us with marketing. Sweet. So I I guess I'm going to start, I don't know, I'm kind of going to start this on a different note, I guess. But I was reading your bio, which we get to have kind of to give us a little bit of a rundown about who you are and kind of how we get to kind of formulate our questions for you, Jason. And one thing in particular really stuck out to me. Um, and it was about how you're working to really change the concept of working with a landscape contractor. And the way you kind of described it was you want it to be as easy as hiring from Uber or ordering a meal from DoorDash. And I think that is a great way to look at the marketing and kind of look at how to get in front of new customers nowadays, because that's the direction everything is moving. I mean, Amazon really started it. I feel like when they started doing the two day delivery, that really opened up that kind of immediate instantaneous, I get my things quickly. And that's where Uber came in after that. And then DoorDash and all these types of services. So how are you approaching that from the marketing aspect? Because I'm just like completely intrigued just by that one line in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I guess, yeah, it's no secret that the home service industry in general has been a bit behind the curve uh, when it comes to use of technology um, and just really kind of um, 
friction for the customer, right? So I see a lot of friction in uh, the sales process, in the operational process in our industry. Um, and that always kind of stood out to me. So uh, yeah, as an example, I mean, way back when I first started in the early, early 2000s, um, uh, we were one of the first companies that I know of to adopt an online scheduler. Um, to do that, we had to, you know, do a few things. We had to kind of productize our offering, make it very easy to to purchase uh, flat rate certain services, things of that nature, and just remove friction for the customer. And and we found when we did that, it was kind of an experiment at first, but it just was an immediate differentiator. Um, and so just making that one little tweak, something that was common in other industries, but not so common in ours, um, really kind of made us stand out. So that has been our approach since then. Um, I'm really interested in just, like I said, making it very simple to work with a contractor. Um, and that's all, as far as marketing goes, all of our communications focused around that. Um, our branding is all around the value of time. So uh, our kind of slogan is take back your time or adding hours to your day. Like we recognize that we're not just selling landscape services. We're removing things from your to-do list that allow you to focus on the things that are more important to you. Um, as such, it's really important to know the clients that we're marketing to, right? So um, I, I sat down with a, a marketing manager of a pretty major uh, media company recently, and he was really excited to tell me uh, you know, I have this list of people who are really into like gardening and, uh, you know, DIY projects at home. And I'm like, that's not our customers at all. Like that's, that's the opposite of our customers. Our customers are people who don't have time for this, aren't interested in doing this themselves. I'm not going after the people who are interested in doing this themselves. That I, They get enjoyment out of it. They should. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going after the, the busy individuals who want a yard that looks really good, that's healthy, that's increasing their property value and don't have the time to do it. So all of our, our marketing, our messaging is all kind of focused around that, that key thing. And it's so important. I One thing I want to kind of touch on that you said that's really key to your brand is you know your clients, right? You know who you're wanting to work with. Your client avatars are very clear within your company. And taking back that time is really the client that you're wanting to work with. And it's funny, this is the conversation we're having because I was speaking to, you know, um, a couple of my in-laws this weekend. And that was one of the things that got brought up. It's ironic, but landscaping, what I'm <laughs> mom, my husband and I already have a landscaper that's he works in the service industry. So he wants that off his plate. But there was this whole debate at the dinner table one night about how, why we have one when like Damien's in the service industry and like can kind of make his own schedule. And he was like, yeah, but that's not what I want to do with my time. He was like, my time, once I get home after being in the service industry all day, isn't to come home and cut my own lawn. Like I'd want to support another business and be able to work with other, um, you know, like-minded people in our community to build that network. And one of their reasons that they didn't have a landscaper was because their local neighborhood and all their friends got rid of their landscaper. So it was like this kind of conflict of, do we find someone new? Do we all just do our own for a little bit? And you could see the stress on them of, having to do this constantly and they actually have a newborn themselves. So it's, it's really, they want to take back their time, but they haven't found a company that's speaking clearly about their message. Like you are. And that's something that is so important. If you go to Jason's website, 
the first thing you land on is their homepage and it immediately has someone relaxing in a beautiful grassy field saying, take back your time. I mean, it just looks as though they're just been probably reading, enjoying the day, hanging out. It's clear that that's what you're doing for your clients. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's important to know that it's clear because you know your avatar and you figured that out all the way back in 2000, right? We started working on this journey a long time ago. And now we're able to provide for those clients in a very effective marketing format, as well as within the sales process through your online booking portal. So when it comes to like, kind of, I want to talk a little bit about promotional real quick before I hand you off to Megan and kind of tie it into sales a little bit. When talking about taking back your time, how do we kind of do that in the sales aspect? How do we really translate that into the sale? Cause you're definitely hitting the emotion. Um, and we're hitting the feelings of yes, but how are we really tying that into the dollar value of working with y'all's company? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, it starts with that, that sales process, those initial touches, right? So I talked about removing friction and making it easy. Um, we're demonstrating the value right up front and it's something that we want to do in every step of the process. So, um, yeah, with our, our more simple services, what we call kind of our one-off services, those are our foot in the door. They're very low dollar services, a sprinkler winterization, for example, an aeration of fertilization. There, I mean, our average ticket on that is like, I think $125 right now. So it's very low average job size. Um, for those, you literally can just hit our website, pick your zip code. Um, you're only going to see availability that we're in your zip code. Choose your services and book your appointment. You don't have to deal with a human if you don't want to, but we give you the option to do that as well. Um, and it's just very streamlined, very, uh, very simple. Uh, for our Even for our more in-depth services, our kind of bread and butter, our recurring contracts, what we call our total care maintenance contracts. Um, that process used to be and still is for a lot of contractors, you know, call the contractor, request a proposal, maybe get a call back, maybe not. Um, and then when you do get a call back, you know, it's let's book a time on site three days from now, come out to the site, walk the property. Contractor, to be honest, a lot of the contractors out there, and I was guilty of this as well, you're looking at the property and you're really just kind of assigning a number in your head. There's no data behind it. You're just kind of picking something. And then going back, putting together a proposal, the customer is waiting this entire time. And by the way, they've contract they've uh, contacted five other contractors during this time as well that they're waiting on bids for. That's That process I just felt was very archaic. And so for us, and I know this has become much more popular since COVID, but we've been doing this for a while where all of our proposals are done virtually. Um, you know, the second a customer hits our webpage, hits our lead form, however they get in contact with us, we all we need is their address. We pull up an aerial view, we grab the measurements as quickly as possible. Now we're playing around with some AI tools to even streamline that, because up to this point, that's been the only thing that a human has to do. Um, but yeah, you grab the measurements, you get a look at the yard from street view, from aerial view. And then as soon as we have those measurements, we plug that into our CRM. We built some stuff on the back end to uh, plug that into our pricing calculators with our production rates. Prices immediately spit in. That customer gets that proposal in a matter of minutes instead of a matter of days or weeks. So it's all about demonstrating that value right at the forefront. That was a very long way of kind of saying that, but uh, that's how we do that in our sales process. And then that proposal document that they're getting, 
Um, it's not just giving them a price for lawn care. They've got, you know, in those recurring packages, they've got three packages to choose from kind of a good, better, best situation. All those are branded around time. So we've got our kickback package, our rest easy package, our total freedom mm -hmm. package. Um, right next to what's included in that package and the price, it also has the average amount of hours that you're saving uh, each year by signing up for that package. Um, mm. So really just like leaning into that, demonstrating value right from the forefront um, and not being afraid to call it out also. Uh, I, I like to send, uh, we've got some videos that go along with this, either in the follow-up sequence or in the proposal delivery uh email and i'm not afraid to call out in that video like how many other bids have you got since you contacted these contractors i will i'm willing to bet that i'm the quickest one that you've got um i'm willing to bet that i i have the most thorough proposal that you're seeing um so if that's coming through in this initial step imagine what the rest of this contract's going to look like so yeah that's kind of been our process and just like really leaning into that um, and the key thing is just demonstrating that value through the entire process. That's amazing. I mean, hats off to you guys. Cause like you're giving them the value, you're giving it to them quickly. And then you're retying back in that marketing, um, you know, kind of phrase and campaign of giving them back time by showing them the hours they're getting back and then really continuing to keep that follow-up going and talking about how we saved you time, you know, who else is saving you this type of time? Not other contractors, I'm sure. So we're really starting to even push that follow-up process and kind of getting them to be even more comfortable with you in the sales process. This is, I mean, absolutely phenomenal. And I could keep talking about how you're tying these kind of like pieces together throughout the entire sales process. But what I will do is just thank you for your time with me in the marketing segment and kind of pass you off to Megan so you guys can talk about some more money. I love Thanks, that. Sam. Hey, it took <laughs> me back to uh, Phoenix. Do you remember? Like one time yeah. Kay and I were um, in a hacking room. It sounds way cooler than it actually was. And we were uh, naming all these proposal packages and Tay's creative brain was just going nuts. And we were like, you know, she had, she's in Florida. So she had like the homeowner, get the homeowners association off your back package and like, keep, you know, impress your mother package. And she had like so many, the busy family package, like she had so many cool thoughts. Anyway, that just took me back Tay, to that it that is. one time that we were breaking responsibility in the best way possible. I think people like forget that step. Like I think that's so important in the sales process. If you are using a software like Responsibid or a way to show different bid options to your clients, like get creative with it. Have fun. Like people want to see your personality of your company, and you guys are doing it so well. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna keep quiet because I'm just gonna keep talking. But. I <laughs> and if I could just add to that really quickly, I know we touched on this and I'm maybe reiterating, but it, it just starts with knowing your client, right? The reason that you, uh, you know, that get the homeowners association off your back is because you understand the client that you're dealing with, like, and their problems and their journey and what they're going through. So um, that's kind of where all the names of those packages came from for us. And, and it, for us, it's nice because it translates. It's not just homeowners. We serve commercial properties, multifamily properties as well. Those are some of the busiest people I know. Have you ever dealt with a property manager? They're just like putting mm -hmm. out fires all day long. They don't have time to deal with babysitting the landscape contractor or, or, you know, taking three weeks to get a proposal for their landscaping. So cool. So cool. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to keep going on this. Oops. Who? 
I just said hi, Denise. Oh, hi, Denise. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to keep going on this buying process because you completely blew my mind when, so you talked with Tay a lot about residential. So let's switch to commercial and let's talk about where the idea came from for your software company and like, what does it do? Because you've really like, so Tay was talking about the Uber of technologies. When I think of your product, I think of the Amazon, like you've brought Amazon to home service and I am trying so hard to like make this work for window cleaning. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to like, I have lots of ideas and we have a friend in solar panels and I'm like, this, there's a huge like solar panel farms there's huge needs so explain what your pain point was in that it's same idea customer journey what's the friction in their buying process and then kind of talk us through what you came up with because it's genius and i am tagging right. like every green industry friend i have because i like i'm so <laughs> i appreciate that well to start i guess i'll kind of take you through our general workflow and kind of i guess People use the term cross-selling a lot. I think that's a good term for it. Um, I mentioned how our one-off services, residential one-off services, are the foot in the door a lot of the time. Not always. Um, but uh, as an example, every person that does a one-off service with us, every homeowner, they immediately get a proposal for our total care maintenance packages as soon as that service is complete without requesting it. We, you know, we close a lower amount of those because they're unsolicited proposals. Um, and a lot of those people like mowing their own yard, for example, but we close about five to 7% of those. And, you know, that's five to 7% we wouldn't capture if we weren't doing that automatically. Similarly, once we land that recurring contract, whether it's residential okay, or I'm commercial, I'm going to pause you. How do you know that? Five, five to seven. How, how, how okay. do I know? Our, uh, so we've got uh, we've got a pretty robust reporting system. We use HubSpot, um, and we built built a lot of uh, automation, a lot of reporting um, into that system. So yeah, oh, I can see. Like I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see, you know, how we're closing in different revenue streams. I can see where those leads came from. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing. And I can't take credit for all that. That's uh, my right-hand man, Jonathan Bray. Uh, he came on. Uh, he ran his own uh, marketing firm for many years and as well as uh, founding and exiting multiple technology businesses. So you can kind of see the tie there into what we're about to get into. Uh, but I brought him on as our head of sales and marketing. He's since become like essentially a COO. Um, and he really helped to get us into HubSpot to build out these systems, to build out this reporting and just to know like what it is we even need to be tracking. Um, so, that. yeah. I don't want to skip to uh, We've got to get to the commercial bids because it's just so yes. Yeah. So, so once we have those recurring contracts, you know, that's our base, that's our bread and butter. That's, uh, you know, I love recurring revenue. That's kind of our main thing, but you know, you're being paid to be the expert on site, whether it's a residential property or a commercial property. Um, and there's a million other things happening on that site. It's a living thing in our case. Um, and uh, there's the conditions are changing constantly. So we, where we, you know, we kind of, our peak contract season is early in the season and then you're kind of set through the rest of the season and how we drive revenue the rest of the season is enhancement sales. So what are those, uh, those other things that are happening on the site? There's a, there's a dead tree over here. That's not covered in the maintenance contract. Um, there's some lawn that needs repaired from some winter kill. 
any of those things. Um, and bugs. The, you gotta bring up bugs. There's always like weird, yeah. <laughs> weird bug season in lawn care, right? But the client doesn't There's, know that it's a weird bug season in lawn care. And they're just like, it's spotting or it's yellow or it's dying. I don't know. Explain to yeah, me. Yeah, it's especially this year. Um, so yeah, we, you know, the pain point was we were seeing all these things. We weren't doing a great job of communicating those to our customer. Um, it was, it was a really laborious process to keep track of all these things. Typically it was very reactive. The customer would actually call us and say like, Hey, you know, Beth in unit 104 keeps complaining about this dead tree right outside of her window. Can you guys come and put a proposal together for that? Like, yes, I will do that. But I also happen to know you have a dozen other dead trees on your property that maybe you're not seeing. So I'm going to, my process was walking the site. Usually it was me taking a bunch of photos writing in a notebook uh, to kind of go with the photos like that tree was outside of unit 104 locations, a big thing, right? Cause you know, you just send a bunch of pictures of dead trees. The customer is like, that's great, but we really only want to focus on the ones around the pool house. I'm like, well, dang it. Now I got to go figure out where all the ones around the pool house were. Um, so it was just a mess. I actually have a photo of my notebook from, from back in the day. And it's just scribbles of notes from these photos. There's a big uh, WTF written on the top of the page. Cause I got <laughs> back to the, got back to the uh, office and realized I didn't know what half the things meant that I wrote down. Um, so it was just a really difficult process and not uh, honestly for our customers, it was not a great process. You know, they're pay like I said, they're paying you to be the expert. They're paying you to communicate these things and ultimately to improve their landscape over time, not just keep up with it and maintain it. Um, you know, that translates to dollars, right? It especially in multifamily commercial, it translates to, you know, home sales, those sorts of things. Um, so what we decided as I, as uh, Meg kind of touched on at the beginning, it started with a Google spreadsheet and it was just a way for us to take the photos, put them into a line in, in the Google sheets. And what we really found we needed to start was like the location information. So we started pulling the metadata from the photos and then we were able to pin that in Google maps. So the customer could at least get a general idea and see like, okay, this tree is located on the back of the property. Uh, it was pretty clunky. It wasn't a great customer experience. I'm just sorry. another like, Google sheet. <laughs> my brain does not work like this, but I love it. So everybody on your phone, when you take a picture, there is a geotag that's attached to that picture. And I remember Dave Kaminsky always talking about like the value of that for like Google My Business listings and like getting you in the right neighborhoods. But Jason has, he thought of scrubbing that geolocation and then organizing it into a Google sheet so that he could then eventually turn, it still hurts my heart, but eventually turn this into a proposal that he's going to give to the homeowners association or to the apartment complex or to the, the property that he's trying to bid. So he's trying to remember personally, like what did the tree look like and where was it located and what kind of tree was it? Right. But then also like logistically, how am I going to get that on a, like a piece of paper to be able to present to somebody to say, yes, I want to replace it or no, I don't want to replace it. Because I think there's also this element that when that tree dies, like, they might think that it's his fault, right? So now he's shifting this story to like, no, let's educate you about what the property really looks like or what we could do to improve the property or improve that experience. So I just, I would right. never think to scrub geotag data from a photo. Um, so that blows my mind. And then I love that it got organized in a spreadsheet because I love spreadsheets. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so you just, you nailed it. Like what we were trying to do 
Um, and I can't, again, I can't take full credit for this. Uh, Brandon Comstock and I sat down. He runs a great company in Calgary, Landscapers by Nature. We sat down over beers and started talking about this problem and, uh, you know, came up with the spreadsheet first. Then, uh, you know, I said, let's get Jonathan involved in the conversation. He's got a background in technology. I bet he can come up with something better than a spreadsheet. Uh, we were thinking this might just be like a simple landing page of sorts at first that we could put together some proposals. Um, and, you know, it just kind of grew from there. Um, and really what we were after, what we decided was like, this is, this needs to be a digital representation of the physical world of what's happening on that site in real time. Um, so yeah, now in its form today, it's primarily geared for landscape contractors at the moment, but, uh, there are, there are a lot of potential use cases as Meg alluded to. Um, but yeah, it's a much simple, simpler process now, um, with three steps really we call it capture catalog close so capture you're just walking the site you're taking photos of all the different items that you're seeing on that site it's automatically turning those into an image card in the software um, when you're taking those photos you could be adding a quick little description you know where it's at, or not where it's at it's our we already have that head up but the tree type uh what you're seeing on site maybe measurements this is roughly 500 square foot of turf whatever information you might need um, then in the actual platform, you now have these image cards that you can assign a label to, you can assign a price to, you can give a more in-depth description for the customer facing side of it and ultimately publish it to a portal that the customer can log into and see. So think of it, make, did it make a really, I appreciate you kind of saying you think of it as Amazon. I do as well. It's, it's essentially you're taking these physical items in the real world and turning them into purchasable digital items, just like Amazon, right? So, uh, the customer logs in, they can see all the stuff that's happening on their site. They can see an aerial view of the property with all the pens on the map showing exactly where these things are located. And then they can start to build a plan. They could, you know, very simply, if they want to just move forward, they can select the items they want, add it to cart, check out. I'm going to get a notification about that checkout and immediately send it into production. Or what's really powerful and we didn't really predict this at the beginning was the long-term planning aspect of it the customer maybe doesn't have the budget to handle all 500 items that you found on their site this year um, but that again that's our job to kind of guide them through the process so we help them prioritize and we put together saved orders for them so this is 2023 uh, high priority items this is 2024 this is 2025 mm -hmm. And an interesting thing that started happening when we did that was we've already shown our cards. We've shown the pricing. We've shown what it's going to cost to do this. Customers became much more open with their budgets. All of a sudden, I had customers just saying, yeah, we've got 50 grand to spend this year. Help us figure out the highest priority. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're seeing a bunch of these other items. Maybe we should raise our budget next year to 75 grand. Um, and so we're like involved in that conversation right now. And it's not in a skeezy, pushy, salesy way like it used to feel. Now it's, it's you know, you're educating them, like, and you're giving uh -huh. them information. Like, I have to report to a lot of boards, you know, because I serve on a couple of nonprofits and I do financials for a lot of nonprofits. And there's so much education that needs to happen at the board level. But typically, boards are made of volunteers, especially in homeowners associations, and so they don't they don't have the time or the knowledge to know that there's an infestation of. I just love the bug part. It cracks me up. <laughs> the infestation of bugs over there. They don't know that this tree is dying or that this tree is going to be a risk or that this sprinkler mm -hmm. system, you know, is past its useful life. Or, you know, I, I think about the idea of like 
even in our window cleaning clients or even in other home service clients, this idea of like educating through inspection, right? Just really showing them like through our expert eyes, this is what we see about your property. And then they're always like, well, how much? Like, what are you trying to sell me? Right. And instead you're like, no, no, no. We just want to show you <laughs> map that like, if this was my mom's house, these are the recommendations I would be making to keep it in tip top shape. And then taking away the friction, like we started this whole show on, taking away that friction of buying. So it's almost like no pressure sales, but here's some commentary about what we recommend or what we would, you know, what we think would work. And I see opportunities for even bringing your packaging into the software that you've built now. Mm -hmm. So like when I think of, I also love, I know very little about landscaping, but seasonal color packages, like, heck yeah, pick <laughs> me up. And I know in commercial bids, that's something that can sometimes be difficult to add into the package. So you could add in like, well, this is, oh, I even see like visualization. I talked to you about that. There's a couple of things I wanted you to meet, but you could add in like, um, well, this is what your property would look like if we added seasonal color this fall or Ryan Lee. Oh, I didn't tag him. I got to tag him. Ryan Lee, landscape lighting, so much opportunity because so Jeff, oh, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Martha, Martha can go there. <laughs> But there's like some fun stuff that's been brewing in our house. And Jeff was just keep the other night, like middle of the night, he's like, I just need to know where the light is and what angle the light's pointing at and what kind of bulb is in the light. And I was like, Jason can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's just so neat. And then this idea that we've all been struggling with about the Amazon buying experience. Mm -hmm. uh, our customers don't want to call us. They don't want to talk about it. They don't, they don't like, they want us to text them, but they really want us to just tell them what they need to do, educate them on why, educate them on the value of getting it done and then give them some choices. And then they're going to buy at 3 a.m. or, you know, during a board meeting or immediately after a board meeting and let them. And then I love that you can save the cart. It's not that, that you said that five to 7% statistic, but there's another statistic for rehashing and follow-up. Like now it's all saved. You, you know what that property needs. And you, you educating them every time you Yeah, and and inevitably, when that volunteer board changes next year, <laughs> I'm not having to go and resell or recommunicate all the items that already happened. They they're just handed off that portal. They can see everything the previous board was working on, what the plan was. They can also communicate that to their residents, so they look really good. Um, you know, they're working their butts off. They're a volunteer board, um, and they're generally dealing with a bunch of complaints. <laughs> So now they can demonstrate, look, we have a plan. This is when these things are going to get taken care of. Um, so just it kind of removes friction across the board, in my opinion. Love it. Love it. Okay. I think it's time for me to pass you to Michelle and she's going to talk about <laughs> systems. Yeah. Hey there, Jason. I am a fellow HubSpot nerd. So I'm obsessed with HubSpot. Um, so I love that. Talk to me about, for our listeners who are, might be in the green space or might be in any other industry, how do you extract the HubSpot information for your folks in the field that are actually delivering the service? What does that kind of look like? Because HubSpot can be kind of big and scary. Um, as a CRM, it's got a lot of complexity. How is it you know, translated to the folks that are actually doing the labor in the field? Is there any step in between or is it all HubSpot? Tell us about that. That's a really good question, and it's uh, been my primary focus this year. So when we wow. started with HubSpot, cool. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, when we started with HubSpot, we were really focused on the front end, right? The sales sure. side of it, automating yeah. the sales process. And inevitably, you run into that handoff eventually, right? Like mm -hmm. this yep. data has to get to the crews in the field. Um, for those who don't know HubSpot, they've got multiple different hubs, as they call it, the, the mm -hmm. service hub, the sales hub, the marketing hub. We've been kind of internally calling what we're working on the production hub. So Perfect. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, so essentially what we've done, um, you know, we've got a lot of data right from the start. We have the measurements of the property. We have a site map of the property that's been created. Um, so I know exactly the square footage of turf, the square footage of mulch. I know all these things in the sales process that I need to hand off to the production side. And we've stored that as data in the CRM. Mm -hmm. So the way that we handle that without getting too in the weeds is we've <laughs> created some custom objects inside of HubSpot. So we've created jobs and visits. Um, and then what we've started to do is tie them to other pieces of software that our crews use in the field. None of our crews are in HubSpot. Wow. Um, so as soon as we sell a job, we're saying, look, there's going to be for example, 30 cut and clean visits. That's what we call our, our mowing visits, cut and clean. So there's 30 cut and clean visits. We expect each one to take an average of 2.5 man hours. Um, and this is kind of our budgets. Uh, that That's the starting point, right? The crew needs to know where are they cutting? <laughs> so the mm -hmm. map, um, how much time are they allotted on a per visit basis? What does good look like, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we're passing that information into a visit object in the HubSpot, which is then passing to our systems that the crews use. For us, that's that's route for me and company cam. So uh, the, the beautiful part about this now is we've been able to automate a lot of that. So as soon as we sell all these visits, we're able to get them scheduled on the specific dates. Um, those are getting pushed automatically into our routing software. The routing wow. software is telling us the most efficient way, the most efficient route to complete. Uh, route density is obviously very important in our industry. Mm -hmm. And it's basing that on actual estimated service time and drive time. And then it's pushing that to the crews in the form of essentially the start of their scorecard, scorecard, right? So it's saying, wow. Look, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so good on this job is, you know, obviously quality comes first. So we, uh, we, our standard is uh, four out of five star rating from the customer or better. Actually, I should say from the customer and from our internal audits. Uh, so you need to get a four out of five or better. So the mm -hmm. quality is the first part of it. Uh, total volume on their route. So for us, really, it's revenue produced. For them, it's it's hours produced. How many hours are they producing in a day, not how many are they working? And then how efficiently are they completing those jobs? So if it was budgeted mm -hmm. at 2.5 man hours, they were able to get it done at the quality we expect. But in two hours, they just beat that budget by half a man hour. Um, wow. And so all of that data is being transferred automatically from the sales process to the cruise technology that they're using in the field. And then beyond that, they're able to see their score and how they're doing there. So um, hmm. in relation to that, we have, uh, with again, trying not to get too in the weeds, but I really <laughs> nerded out a while ago on um, Formula One racing. Yeah. So we have a... <laughs> We have an F1 theme at our company. So our leaderboards are, every one of our crews is an F1 team. We have a Mercedes team, a Red Bull team, Ooh, an Alcatraz team. And uh, so they're competing each month in a Grand Prix based on those metrics oh, that I just outlined. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That, door, that leads me so beautifully into my second and last question. Um, the idea of 
being a founder, being a CEO, being a visionary, whatever you want to call us people that are wild enough to go out and think we can do something, there's something really interesting that I'm seeing in the industry and it's creativity along with business ownership. Tell me how, like being a musician, being in a rock band, listening to, uh, nerding out on F1 racing, right? How has that impacted you as a business owner? How has that creativity piece show up in your business? Because I see this a lot in people I'm looking at recently, that there's a lot of creativity in business ownership and, and artistry. Tell me how that kind of translates in your day-to-day -day work. Tell us how you're a rock question. star, Jason. Like a real Let's life. Tell you're a rock star. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not going to let you off the show without telling the story. Exactly. I, Meg came up to me after a presentation I gave in Mexico and said, I can't believe I've known you for years now and not known that you were in a band. I love it. It's <laughs> uh, like in a legit band, not like a garage band, like a legit <laughs> band. I asked for his autograph also. I totally fan. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I never really used to talk in the professional world a lot about my experience in the music industry. And the reason I decided to when we were in Mexico is because I started realizing that it's really laid the foundation for the way I approach business and the way that I, as you were talking about the creativity that I try to bring to the business, it all stems from my experience in the music industry. The music industry is a rough, rough industry. Yeah. Um, and specifically when I was in it, um, I kind of came in slightly before streaming was a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about a, about a $24 billion industry in music sales, just in music sales, uh, not counting everything else that goes along with that. And then when we peaked as a band, the industry had shrunk to about $8 billion, so about a third of the size mm -hmm. in music sales because of the disruption from streaming. So the things that I learned, and, and I guess to loop back to your question, like where my creativity and business comes from in relation to that is, A, you have to be willing to adapt. Um, we were working with major, major record labels, some very, very big businesses um, that we watched shutter during that time. Um, and it was because they were not willing to adapt. They, mm -hmm. I kept hearing these labels say, you know, I streaming doesn't work for our business model. Well, the thing I learned is that the consumer, the customer, excuse my language, but they do not give a shit about your business model. <laughs> they care about the end product. Right. And do. if I can go listen to a song with the click of a button rather than going and purchasing an album at the store, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be exposed to a lot more music. So be willing to adapt, focus on the customer's needs, convenience wins, recurring revenue wins. The, yeah. Like you used to buy an album one time and then it turned into paying for a subscription, renting that music over time. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the lessons I learned. And um, yeah, it's it has shaped how I approach business, whether it's in the trade space, the software space. Um, and I think it helps me to look at things through a creative lens, find yeah. things from, you know, music is a lot of borrowing too. It's a lot of like, <laughs> oh, I really like this song. I want to write a song like that song. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all we're doing in business. It's like, hey, you know, Uber seems to have it figured out. I get a notification when my car's on the way. I can track that car on the way. We do those yeah. same exact things in our landscape business. It's, we're just borrowing from someone else. We're adapting these things and adopting them into, 
into our industry and our business. So I, have to I hope that answered your question. I've heard that <laughs> real quick. He is like giving a presentation talking about how he's a legit, like actually well-paid rock star. Uh, who like, and he's dropping these like, I played with Imagine Dragons or, you know, like not like mm -hmm. small stuff, right? And then um, he's got a graph. And the graph is talking about like the money of the music industry and the money yeah. of his personal paycheck and his draw on like how he wasn't a starving musician. Uh, and I'm like, that's so good. And then his whole talk is like the day before John Morlow talks. We all know giant crush on John Morlow. And mm -hmm. um, I'm like texting Jason. I'm like, are you listening to this? You're saying the same thing. Only he's not talking, <laughs> he's not talking about the music industry. So anyway, okay. sorry, Michelle. But I, no, I love it. Thank you, Jason. Um, I, I see business and music and creativity and all those things very intermixed recently. It's really coming to the top of my mind. It's something I'm exploring myself. So thank you for your time. And it's a perfect segue to pass you off to Martha. Martha, you are muted, so make sure you unmute. <laughs> thank you. I have, I'm mute and unmute throughout the thing. Um, so gosh, there's lots of things that sparked my interest. Um, let me ask you this, Jason, because I know that this is a problem um, and I experienced it myself a little bit in the maid service world is when you go to online pricing and yours might be a little different because you're gathering more data than we could as a maid service. Um, did you have any kickback from your employees on the pricing not being right. And I guess, I guess that is if you're paying piece rate or commission versus hourly. Right. Yeah. It, that's a great question. And the answer, the short answer is yes. At the beginning, um, mm -hmm. we don't pay piece rate. Uh, we do pay hourly, but we pay, okay. as I mentioned, an incentive, uh, a monthly oh, right. incentive structure mm -hmm. that's based on, you know, beating the budgets and the okay. yeah. sort of things. So, so it does matter to the crews that these things are priced correctly, that they're allotted enough time. Um, th the key there is data. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, making sure that we're constantly collecting data. We might miss sometimes, um, mm -hmm. but it's understanding why we missed and tweaking those production rates in real time to constantly be adjusting. And the other side of that is, uh, you know, helping that I think with people in general, it's so important that you're communicating the overall why behind what you're doing and that they have an understanding of the why and how that, what that means to them and how it impacts them. So it's a lot of that. And it's, you know, it's a constant thing um, to be communicating that why and like, look, we're moving to this model. This is why we're going to grow. This is going to create more opportunity. My whole goal is focused around creating more opportunity for our people because I had that that opportunity. I, I was able to work in basically every position of the company all the way up to owner. And my goal, and we're not there yet, but my goal is that everyone that walks into our door at least has that same opportunity all the way up to owner. And that's where we, we haven't got there yet. That's uh, that's a pretty going to be a pretty big shift for us to uh, create the opportunity for our staff to move into an ownership type role. But it's yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, we did something similar. We we found out, um, you know, we didn't really anticipate that pushback. And yes, sometimes uh, owner 
lies or doesn't know maybe um, things about their home. And so it would come in cheaper, but that's kind of the way we handled it too, is that it's the law of averages and the volume, the, the friction to get the customers is less. So it pays off. And then we always told the clients that after four visits that we may have to adjust either up or down um, based on, you know, real factors. But I wanted to ask you, you know, on the, so on production, bonusing on production, et cetera, did you ever bonus on production and not tie it to quality? And if so, what did you experience? I told you you'd we... like it. You see that face? <laughs> <laughs> same people, same guy down below here. <laughs> we uh, we actually we never bonused without tying it to quality in one way or another, um, and it was that I can't take credit for that. That was uh, through BTA. One of my coaches was like, "This is risky. Like you're you're going to end up with guys just cutting corners on jobs if you're just focusing on their budget versus actual man hours." So to start, our incentive structure was much more simple than it is now because we didn't have as much data, but it was um, it was just simply that you would be paid a certain amount of dollars. Let's say it's $1 for every man hour that your crew was under the budget um, mm -hmm. for that previous month. However, the caveat was no one gets bonuses if the company quality rating ever drops below a 4.5 out of five stars. So it's a team effort. If we ever drop below that, you don't get your bonus. Um, nice. That's how we started. And, and now it's, you know, a bit more in depth, but uh, yeah, it, having, I think having that quality to balance things out, it's all about checks and balances. Same with, uh, you know, for us, the budget versus actual time. The balance for budget mm -hmm. versus actual is not only quality, it's also um, utilization or what we call unbillable hours, right? Because mm -hmm. if I wanted to cheat, not to say that our employees would, but if I, if I wanted to cheat that, I could just clock out of the job early while I'm still working on it and the system would register that I beat that budget. But in our system now, all that's doing is increasing the amount of time that you're on unbillable hours against that budget. Right. So it, it counters it out. Yeah. And I actually had a version of that. Um, but thanks to GPS tracking and the quality scores, we could figure out where that was going on. Um, yeah. So it, it is amazing to me. And I'm sure you meet people as well. So many people bonus around production, but so few people tie that production bonus to a quality or customer satisfaction standard. And you know, I don't get it. I don't get it because uh, it it is not creating a great name for yourself and you're just incentivizing basically shoddy work cut corners, be faster, and we don't care about quality. So anyway, um, we could probably talk about that forever and ever, but I feel like we are running out of time. So I'm going to pass it back to Tay. And uh, this is homework time, Jason. All right. <laughs> it is. So thank you, Jason, um, for just really spending a ton of time with each one of us. I think 
anyone who's listening currently or is you know listening back to the podcast later on is going to find quite a few little golden nuggets throughout the show that you were able to provide for our listeners. So thank you so much. Um, as thank far you. as homework, um, this is a time in the show when we get to hold you, our listeners, accountable to what you have listened to today. So we don't want you just absorbing this information and kind of holding it for later on. We want you to put this into action this week. So this is going to be a lot. We're about to give you four to five pieces of homework. We do only ask that you choose one piece to make sure that you're moving the needle forward in your business this week. So I will go ahead and kind of start us off here. And then Jason, once we get through all four of um, us ladies, you're more than welcome to add a piece of homework at the end. Cool. So marketing homework, we talked a lot about kind of the Uber um, kind of technology mindset within Jason's landscape company, but all of it tied back to solving friction and knowing his customer. So that's the biggest thing I want you guys to focus on this week is I know I've given this homework before, but if you really haven't done it, you need to know what your customer's needs are. So we're not going to necessarily talk about their avatar. Um, but I just want you to focus on just their needs. What is it that they need from you as a service industry company? Do they need more time? That's what Jason's clients needed. They needed more time back in their day. Do they need maintenance? Is that something that they are needing on their home? That's what Megan's clients tend to need within their company is someone to maintain their home. So I just want you to find that specific need that your clients are needing from you on a daily basis and then start to build upon that with your marketing plan. Sorry, Megan. <laughs> I always like wrap it up and I'm like, I can't type that fast because I'm like, she's sitting there. She's, I got it started. And then, uh, okay, here we go. Um, what do your clients need from you? That's what it says. Fine. That's perfect. Um, okay. I want to think about kind of, I love when Tay and I have synergy like this. We haven't in a couple months, but oh, also, she's been breaking up the cycle here. Uh, we miss you, Amanda. Okay. Coming back. I love when you have synergy because there's this, this buying experience that if it's good, turns into dollars in the bank, right? So if our marketing's good and our experience is good, then then the money comes in. So let's talk about that buying experience internally. And if you're a listener, remember, just choose one of these, the one that feels most compelling. But um, are you making it easy for your clients to give you money? So they've chosen their proposal and they've chosen what service they want. Is it then like, do you have to call them and get a credit card? Did that hit anybody? I feel like there's a lot of you. That uh oh, you know, you made this whole beautiful online proposal thing and then you didn't make it easy for them to buy. Um, are you educating them? Are you sharing with them the things that you're seeing on their property? Like you're up on their roof, maybe, and they're not on their roof. Like they would really value knowing the things that you're seeing on their roof. Or if you're in the back part of their property that they never go back there and you're seeing some trouble areas, they would really appreciate you telling them about that. So when you're thinking about, that buying experience, have you removed the friction points? Have you made it easy for them to buy from you? And if you find yourself wasting a lot of time or writing WTF at the top of your notebooks after doing bids, um, I would I would highly encourage you to check out the software. I think it's still in beta, but I'm hoping there's a wait list. Jason, how would they, how could we point them? Yeah, uh, just head to issueid.io and there's a form right at the top where you can request access to our beta program. And there's also a calendar if you scroll down a little bit where you can book a demo with myself or Brandon. We are bootstrapping this, so you will actually be FaceTime with me. 
So, uh, and I'm happy to walk you through it. Uh, abuse their time because they're also really brilliant landscape owners. <laughs> and so you can do a Megan where I booked Martha. I booked, I bought Martha's software um, and because she was selling two free hours of her time with the software. So I paid for her software just to pick her brain about business. So even if you don't think you need issue ID yet, still sign up, please. So you can get, uh, you can pick their brain. They're geniuses. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Michelle, your homework. Yeah. Issue ID was the finance homework in case you didn't hear it. Issueid.io. The link will be here in the show notes. Beautiful. And uh, your systems homework is to check out HubSpot. It's an automation powerhouse and it might be the solution to productizing your services. So it's a thing that you can do as a sort of a thought process. How can you productize your services? Um, I'm actually a traction uh, acolyte. So I love that. And I've already put this in um, for our Wednesday leadership meeting. How can we productize the services at Pink Collar? So the people that are pre-qualified through HubSpot can just buy and not even do a discovery call. So I've already done my own homework and I'm super excited about it. That's a great takeaway um, for everybody. So thank you so, so much. And I was hoping somebody, this is not my homework, but nobody <laughs> asked about it. And so I want to ask about it. Um, Jason, have you gotten anywhere with like, I love... Uh, Alexa's going to say something to me. Um, I love to say to Alexa or Google Home, whoever, uh, hey, you know who, schedule my, you know, schedule my cleaning or whatever. And um, I don't have my maid service anymore, but I was really intrigued by that. And I, I, we joke that I'm a millennial. I love, love, love making it simple for me. And so have you investigated that at all? Def First of all, I, I love where your head's at. We, we could spend hours <laughs> just going back and forth, but uh, I have. Yeah, besties, I tell you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have definitely investigated it. I can't say that we've executed on it yet, but I think voice technology is extremely powerful. Um, and it's something that we definitely, it's, it, it will happen. I will say in it the next happen. year to two yeah. years tops. It, it for us. will yeah. happen. And then you can say, you know, get on your ring and say, unlock the door for, you know, my house cleaner that's coming, you know, that I, it's coming. We need to talk. Um, well, my homework, my homework is uh, consider a production bonus if you're not already doing it, but tie it to quality. And lastly, it has to be transparent as in when we didn't talk about this, but your technicians have to be able to see if they're hitting their productivity measures along the way, if they're hitting their quality measures along the way, and it can't be after the fact, or it feels like you made an arbitrary uh, decision. But tying productivity to a bonus is a win-win for you as long as you've got that quality or customer satisfaction component. So that's your homework. And then Jason, what homework would you like to give them? These were all really, really good. I, I was going to go the route of either incentive or productizing. So since those have been covered, I am going to, uh, I'm going to focus on something that I've been fascinated with 
a lot, um, as I talked about in this presentation, which is the idea of disruption. And the way mm -hmm. I view disruption is changing the rules of an industry um, by doing things differently. And we talked about that a lot during this conversation. So mm -hmm. my homework is going to be, you don't have to implement this in the next week, but just identify one thing that you can do in your business um, that is outside of the status quo in your industry. Um, so, uh, and I'll, I'll even give a little hint. I talked about this before, but like, look to other industries, um, yeah. look to what other industries are doing and do really well that maybe your industry doesn't do well and identify just one thing and, and commit to doing that over the next period of time, maybe over the next year, <laughs> if it's yeah. a large implementation. Oh, good. Yeah, great. Okay, so Michelle. Good. And we always wrap up, uh, Jason, with a quote. And I really liked this one from Stuart P. Johnson today. Our business in life is not to get ahead of others, but to get ahead of ourselves, to break our own records and to outstrip our yesterday by our today. And I can absolutely see you doing that. So thank you for sharing some time with us today. We were so grateful. Love and, that. Uh, yeah, thank you all. Tay usually asks us, like, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Um, I know you've got a couple of businesses, and you never said the band name. So if anything, any links you want to drop here, we're here for it. How right. do you want people to reach out to you? You've, we have the issueid.io, and mm -hmm. I saw the calendar. Like, literally, there's a time available next week, guys, if you want to pick these guys. <laughs> calendar there, we can actually FaceTime with one of them. But what, what about, like, email address or um, if you want to point to your landscape company or where do you want to send us? Yeah, so issueid.io, we already covered. On Facebook, we actually just started a group called the Landscape Disruptors Den. You Ooh. don't have to be a landscaper to join this. You could be part of you can be part of other industries. So it's a place for us to just share resources and content to help us all level up, which I think is uh, something that's extremely important for our industry and related to the quote that Michelle just gave. And uh, so, yeah, join Landscape Disruptors Den. Uh, feel free to reach out to me personally. My email is jasonhoke at acalandscape.com. Check out acalandscape.com as well. And if you want to listen to the music, uh, you can head to Spotify or any streaming service and check out the epilogues and the hollow. Both were uh, our bands that I'm a part of. Awesome. Bye. Okay, wait, somebody stall so I can get these in before we go online. <laughs> okay, I can stall. Uh, I win Cool Mom Award because I went to see Pink in concert with my daughter last night. And for anybody who's ever been to a live venue, a live concert, there's something so magical about her show. She, at the very end, literally takes a spin around the entire arena, maybe 100 feet off of the seats. And you're in this baseball stadium and there's something so cool. She literally flies over you like a magician. Like it just, this wild thing happens. And it's so engaging. I, I, I've never seen anybody leave the stage, physically leave the stage and be in the air. It, it's a memory that I will never forget because it was so impactful. Um, and she disrupted, right? The music industry, you stand on the stage, you play the thing, you do the thing. And she was like, how about if you just fly over the people? Like, can you imagine the meetings that must have happened when she said, I think I'm going to fly around the stadium. People were like, that's insanity. And she did it. The logistics behind that. <laughs> I know it's insane. And, and it was pouring rain. And I was like, she's certainly not going to get in that thing. And then all of a sudden there she was. 
So Michelle Garth Brooks did that early on too. What? I said Garth Brooks, a fellow Oklahoman, did oh, that early on too. Yes, he did. I didn't know that. Well, and Jonathan Wisman had us go to Caw, which was a Cirque du Soleil show yes, in Vegas. That's right. Going to Vegas, and those stage mechanics were crazy. I maybe don't want to tell Jonathan, but I took a teeny tiny cap nap in the middle of the show, and <laughs> Martha, I woke up to somebody flying over my head with bows and arrows and flowers being showered over me, yeah, and um, oops, yeah, not my it was Vegas for the win. <laughs> Okay, I got all those links in there. So if you want to find Jason, you can find his email in the show notes. If you want to stalk his bands, uh, you can listen to him on Spotify. If you want to check out his very inspiring <laughs> landscape company, we've got a link to that. And we highly encourage you to check out Issue ID. If you have ideas for him, I'm just going to put this out there. They're very open to ideas. If you, have ways, you feel like you need this in your company, uh, reach out to them. It's it's going to be really fun how you're going to disrupt this industry. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a super Bye. day. Thank you. Thank you. Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.